no, no, hang on. This is not a good All right, cool. yes, fine. Ready? Welcome to the bite sized edition of the Editor Roundtable podcast. Here on the Roundtable, we're dedicated to helping you become a better writer following the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne. In these episodes, we bring you some shorter solo articles and interviews on topics that interest us as writers. Hi, this is Leslie Watts, and today I'm bringing you a deep dive into how to choose your point of view based on a talk I gave at StoryGrid Live in Nashville in September. So join me for a quick bite of writing insight starting right now. Last year, I wrote two articles on narrative device and point of view. I'll include links to those in the show notes. I did a fair job of synthesizing information and ideas on the topic and cataloging possibilities, but I fell short of providing clear advice to help writers choose their point of view. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this since then, and I've come upon a solution that several writers have told me is really useful. The key is to tie your point of view choice to your controlling idea or theme. I'll say more about that in a moment, but first I want to take a step back and define the problem. As a fiction writer, you have to make a point of view choice for your story, and the choices are pretty clear usually first person, third person, or omniscient. But what's less clear is what information you can use to help you make a good decision for your story. Every technical choice you make supports or undermines the story you want to tell. But point of view is a special case. As Sean Coyne has said, your point of view choices will dictate the tenor of each beat, each scene, each sequence, each act, and the entire work. They are crucial choices. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say, point of view is the most important decision you make about your story after the global genre, because if your global genre is what your story is about, point of view is how you present the story to your reader. There's a lot riding on this decision. The good news is, as Sean explains, when you figure out what suits your story best, you'll find immeasurable relief. Great, so how do you choose? Well, many writers go for what seems easiest or what they're most comfortable with writing. Other writers consult the masterworks in their chosen genre. Plenty of writers just go with their gut. These methods won't necessarily lead you to a wrong result, but they won't help you with the tenor of each beat, scene, sequence, act, and your entire story, or help you decide how to choose character actions, character dialogue, and details of setting. These methods don't help you with the contents of your story, in other words. There has to be some way to make an informed choice, though. And there is. It's through what Sean calls the narrative device. Point of view and narrative device combined are the vantage point the writer uses to tell the reader a story. Again, if your genre is what your story is about, then your point of view and narrative device is how you present the story to your reader. 
So within the story, who is telling the story? To whom are they telling the story? What form does the story take? Why are they telling the story? And when and where are they telling the story in relation to the story's events? Linking what your story is about, that is your genre, to the how will help you solve your problem of making a wise point of view choice. In fact, your narrative device and point of view choices should be as unique and specific as your controlling idea and the two are deeply connected. Let's look at a specific example to help us make sense of this. I'll use Bridget Jones's Diary by Helen Fielding, one of the three stories Sean analyzes in the Level Up Your Craft course. What's the point of view choice in Bridget Jones's Diary? First person. Why did Helen Fielding make this choice? Well, we can't know for sure on what basis Fielding made her choice, but first person makes sense because the narrative device, that is how Fielding presents Bridget's story, is through Bridget's diary. She records the events of her life over the course of a year. So what does this tell us in technical terms? Who tells the story? Bridget tells the story. She's the protagonist and therefore a character within the story, not someone from the outside. This tells us that she'll be objective about some things, for example, her mother's behavior, but will have less objectivity when it comes to herself. And since we know this is a love story and that there is a maturation arc built in, Bridget's ability to see herself and her actions clearly is likely to improve as she gains sophistication over the course of the story. So that's who tells the story. Who is Bridget's audience? Bridget herself is the audience. And so we expect her to be fairly forthcoming about what she's thinking and doing. In what form does Bridget tell the story? Again, it's a diary. This is meant to be private, which means she's as honest as she is willing and able to be. It's a written account as opposed to speech or thoughts. When does Bridget tell the story? Bridget describes the events shortly after they happen. She has some hindsight, but not a whole lot. If she were writing about events happening in the distant past, she would write about them differently. Later in the story, she gains greater perspective of the events that happen earlier in the story. And this is significant because as Bridget changes, the way she sees those earlier events changes too. Why is Bridget telling the story? She's telling the story because she wants to track how well she's following her New Year's resolutions. And here it's significant to note that Bridget, as the narrator, didn't set out to write a love story. That was Helen Fielding's goal. Because their goals are different, it's important to keep them separate. A different purpose or goal changes the information you present and how you present it. Similarly, your desire to write an engaging love story or action story or performance story isn't specific enough to guide you in making technical narrative decisions. Your specific narrative device 
combined with your controlling idea provides specific constraints that allow you to present your story consistently. And why is that? Because when the form and the content are aligned, your story is more cohesive. So what about that controlling idea? Well, the controlling idea or theme of your story is a simple cause and effect statement about the change that happens as the protagonist experiences specific challenges to their basic human needs. Okay, it's the story boiled down to a simple cause and effect statement. And often, it's the distilled message the narrator wants to pass along to their audience. Sometimes it's also the narrator's purpose when they begin telling the story. This is especially the case when the narrator relays events from the distant past. But when the narrator is also the protagonist or is writing about the events in the present or recent past, the controlling idea can be the lesson that flows from the narrator's experience of writing or telling the story. So what's their primary takeaway, in other words? While Bridget's purpose in starting the diary is to record how successfully she sticks to her resolutions, what she learns in the end is the controlling idea for the story. Love triumphs when we learn to respect ourselves. Of course, you, as the writer, might agree with your story's controlling idea, And it might be your purpose to share this message too. But you are in a different position from the narrator. Your purpose to tell a great story won't necessarily help you make key content decisions. But a specific narrative device choice can help you choose wisely. Let me show you what I mean with a specific content example from this story. Bridget's diary entries include her alcohol and cigarette consumption. These details often produce a comedic effect, but that's not necessarily a reason to include them. They are, however, consistent with the narrative device. Bridget is tracking her New Year's resolutions, which include limiting her alcohol and cigarette consumption. But these details also make sense in light of the controlling idea, because Bridget's consumption is a barometer of her self-respect. If you tracked these details with a line graph, I bet it would look an awful lot like a story grid infographic of Bridget's worldview maturation arc. These details make sense in the story as written. But what if Fielding had chosen a slightly different narrative device? For example, what if she kept Bridget as the narrator, but gave her a different audience? How would Bridget present this story differently if she wanted to share the message or the controlling idea with her teenage daughter? Bridget, and therefore Fielding, would likely include different details to teach the lesson and demonstrate the change in herself. In this hypothetical, we haven't altered the genre, the basic events of the story, or the narrator protagonist. But changing the audience changes the details that make sense in the narrative and how we present them. How does this help the writer? 
Well, with her specific narrative device and the basic events of the story, Fielding can ask herself, what would Bridget write in her diary after experiencing these events? The diary as narrative device gives Fielding a clear opening for each scene, and she can eliminate whole categories of information, for example, character actions, character dialogue, and details about the setting. Because she knows who's telling the story, to whom, in what form, why, when, and where, these constraints are your friend. Now let's talk about overt versus covert narrative devices. Fielding uses an overt narrative device. Now as readers, we know that Bridget is writing in her diary. But what if you don't want the narrative device to be so obvious to the reader? The reader doesn't need to know, but you should make a clear choice anyway. Tim Grawl tells a story about how he struggled with writing emails to his list. He had the same problem we all have when we sit down to write. What do I include and how do I present it to my audience? What finally worked for him was writing each email to a specific person. So when he began drafting an email to his list, he wrote, Dear Karen. He knew what he wanted to say and how to say it because he knew what he would tell Karen to help her solve a specific problem. When he finished the email, he simply deleted Dear Karen and hit send. You can do this too. Your narrative device doesn't need to be revealed to the reader, but you should be clear about who is telling whom, where, when, why, and in what form. So make a choice. As I said earlier, your narrative device should be as specific and unique as your controlling idea, and the two are deeply connected. Failing to decide is the technical equivalent of failing to choose your genre. It's a huge mistake that makes the writing harder. And that's precisely the mistake I made with my prior point of view articles. They were written from my point of view to help me understand the options available, and they were useful for Fundamental Friday's readers to a point. But I wasn't paying attention to my audience, and so I fell short on specific, actionable advice. That's why this follow-up is so important. So how do you choose your narrative device and point of view? If you know your controlling idea, think about who might want to deliver that message and to whom. Or, if you're not sure about your controlling idea, think about who could observe the events of the story and might want to share some important message about their take on the experience. You could also start with the audience. What audience makes the most sense given the message or lesson of your story combined with your genre's controlling idea? then ask who is in the position to observe the events and present the message to this audience. In other words, you want to use what you know to solve for what you don't and plug in answers to all of those questions. From those questions, which point of view choice, that is first, third, or omniscient, makes the most sense? I suggest creating a list of 15 to 20 narrative device possibilities and trying them out. Write a scene from the perspective of your top choices. 
The core event scene for your genre might be especially useful, but really, you could use any scene within the story that you can see clearly. If you follow these threads, my hunch is that you'll find your way to the narrative device that works best for your story and helps you write it. Now, while these thoughts are fresh in your mind, spend some time thinking and writing about your specific narrative device and point of view choices. I would love to hear any questions you have or insights that come up as you try this out. So let me know by leaving a comment in the show notes at storygrid.com or writing to me at writership.com. And finally, look for my StoryGrid beat on point of view in 2020. That's it for this week. Join us for another bite-sized episode next week, and we'll return with our season six teaser on December 11 with a full-size episode following on December 18. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.